Slayer Podcast. This is Troy. And Byers. And we are here with another edition of Late Nights of Blockbuster. We're going to discuss the 25th anniversary of The Truman Show. Um, we uh, mentioned this and talked about it uh, pretty recent. It's, I guess we shouldn't say it's recently, um, but we've done a podcast episode on this. How about that? Um, when we did the top five Jim Carrey, um, it was on my honorable mentions. And I believe it was it was definitely in your top five, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember Definitely. which one it was? I'm looking it up as we speak because I should have been ready, but I'm going to pull Ryan Rosillo yeah. and just vamp, vamp and ramble. Vamp and vamp and vamp and vamp, uh, vamp and vamp, uh, vamp. Jim Carrey. We're not gonna even going to cut this out. We're going to just like <laughs> keep it in there. It was <laughs> my number two. Ah, I was going to say your number two. I remember because we had such different um, Jim Carrey uh, top fives, or at least we mostly. did. You had Bruce Almighty in there. I didn't. Yeah, that was my number one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, we both didn't have the mask in there, much to Lori's chagrin. Yes. Um, but, uh, Sorry. Yeah. So this movie is directed by Peter Weir. Um, he of Dead Poet Society, Master and Commander, and Witness, a very strange and eclectic bunch of movies you like master and commander don't you mm-hmm. no okay no I, I oh this is the one that put you to sleep and you yes. never finished it i never right? finished okay. it okay which is sad yeah i like russell crowe i like historical, historical stuff ones. yeah couldn't do it <laughs> i've tried at least twice <laughs> that that's just like your narcolepsy pill it's like yes. well better go watch master and commander oh it's not streaming okay i'll go find eternals one of the two (laughs) and i'm i'm out we've got the screenplay by andrew nickel uh who wrote gattaca which is one of my favorite underrated movies uh but then he has a couple stinkers in sim one do you remember sim one this is like the um at the very beginning at the or it's like simone with like a one in it oh and it's with al pacino is like the director and he like tries to convince everybody that this lady's real but she's like computer generated um so rings a bell (laughs) yeah and it was terrible um in time do you remember that one with justin timberlake and um, Um, amanda seyfried yes yes i think the other one that i wanted to mention for andrew nickel was lord of war with uh nicholas cage uh like that one's a pretty good one not one that you want to watch a whole lot but in time was such a bad movie that had a really great premise that he completely like did not uh, fulfill. So some good, some really good ones. Gattaca is one of like, truly like one of my favorite, like underrated movies, like lots, like I would really like to do that, like in this setting, because there's just so much to talk about, like, instead of just like, Hey, Gattaca cool movie right like no that's what you want to like pick apart and really get into uh, some philosophical type things so um let's run through the uh the list this is like the shortest like casting maybe like of like any movie that's not like cast away or <laughs> or, or anything like that tom hanks and volleyball right yeah <laughs> Bonnie Hunt for five minutes, right? Um, We've got Jim Carrey as Truman Burbank, Laura Linney as Meryl Burbank, um, slash Hannah Gill, who plays his wife, uh, Noah Emmerich, who plays Marlon, his friend, Natasha McElhone, who plays uh, Lauren, his uh, fling in uh, high school, or it was college, right? can't ever tell if that's right. high school or college because they're making 30 year old people like in high school and they don't do anything <laughs> yes. to try to de-age them Nothing. at all yeah. just slap a band uniform on them it makes them look right. 18 right right <laughs> um maybe some braces <laughs> ed harris as christoph the director i'm gonna throw paul giamatti a bone here as the control room director he's kind of got some lines compared to everybody else and then philip baker hall as the network executive everybody else is pretty much background characters or like really like unknowns so uh, we'll get into some of those as it recognized my face um, but uh, i thought that that was at least just kind of some of the people and most people are like who is philip baker hall like if you saw his face and heard his voice you'd be like yes that guy okay. so um all right uh, so let's jump in like we always do uh what did you love about this movie virus your number two jim carrey movie Ooh, of all time that's right still is just just the overall concept and like the conversations that you can have kind of coming out of this. I remember like my dad taught a Bible class in high school 
Um, and we would watch movies occasionally and talk about stuff. We watched Braveheart in my dad's Bible class, which was so awesome. you come by this honestly, completely honestly. <laughs> um, and this, when it came out, like immediately we had to mm-hmm. buy this and like watched it in his class. Cause just, there's just the free will controlling someone's life for entertainment mm-hmm. conversation. It's really cool. We'll get to more of that in spiritual metaphors. I won't steal all of that thunder. Um, but it's just, it's such an interesting thought process. And I really love some reined in Jim Carrey, like not, mm, not mm-hmm. off the wall. Like if you went back and looked at my top five, it's like Bruce almighty where, all right, we're still, we're, we have our crazy Jim Carrey moments, but they're moments. They're not the entire movie. Um, sorry, Lori, the Ace Ventura mask Jim Carrey guy is funny. And <laughs> I really enjoyed him as a mid schooler, high schooler even, but like this one is a superior where I get taste of that. I get, I get to laugh every once in a while, but then I actually get some point and some plot and some mm-hmm. character development out of it too. And so I always love that reigned in Jim Carrey and uh, I don't reality TV is just kind of old news to us now, but when this movie mm-hmm. comes out, it's like oh, yeah. still a fairly new kind of concept. So it was just an interesting thought process to, to watch this, especially looking back now that the reality TV is so normalized in our lives. Like it's mm-hmm. just what it is, but just a, just a good thought provoking movie that I enjoy with a little crazy Jim Carrey mixed in. So, yeah, it's one of those movies that kind of like what we were just talking about with Gattaca, um, where sometimes the mileage on discussing the movie might, for me, at least the mileage uh, about discussing it and talking about it uh, is a little bit more enjoyable than like watching the movie. Sometimes yeah. like if you watched it like too many times, like in a row, you wouldn't be like, Oh yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. there are, there are movies that are your favorite <laughs> movies and there are movies that are your like rewatchable ones. And we talk about that a lot. Right. Um, yes. and, and I think that this would be one of those movies that you couldn't be like, Oh, you know what I watch once a week like, <laughs> oh, God, is, no. is Truman show, you know? Um, <laughs> But it is a a really good um, thought provoking movie. You mentioned the prediction of the reality boom. I mean, we talked about it on the top five podcasts, but like the real world is just getting started here, um, like right around this time. So like it really like uh, predicts that that reality boom and a lot of the way that they filmed like the the interstitials of like. Uh, Laura Linney um, talking about playing this character. Like it's yeah. really, I mean, they borrow that a lot um, um, in, in reality. So still, you know, I don't watch too many of them, but like when you do catch one, you're like, yep, that's the same format that it ha- has always been uh, <laughs> since uh, the, the mid to late nineties. So, so that's there. It, it, it kind of, it, it it's it's a little bit more of a precursor to uh the internet as as a whole as well um you like you think about this it's it's 98 and so the internet boom is is just happening like like we were we had internet in our house it was dial up and it's like i mean but everybody and, and so everyone's starting to get some of that stuff and starting to see that culture but you don't see any like social media or anything like that but now you can kind of see how like the way that they push all of these things and it's just kind of shows you that everything old is new again with respect to like the way that they push uh, advertising on tv but it does also it's it's more personal in that and it's kind of like this like the people that you follow on like if you follow anybody on instagram or facebook or any of those other things like you might start to follow them because they're funny or they talk about a video game that you like or they they uh they're a preacher and then all of a sudden they're just like oh by the way did you know about this like product <laughs> that somebody asked me to tell you about? It feels like that is like, uh, Marlin's like drinking a beer <laughs> or, um, uh, Meryl is like doing her, her knives and like crazy kitchen gadgets and stuff. Right. Um, so it, it just kind of predicts some of that and kind of how every, everything like the, the um, commercialism will just kind of infect anything that you can, that it can and will. Let's get on to favorite scene. We'll talk about some more of that stuff as we go through. I'm sure we will. Um, so uh, what do you, what do you got to start us off? I, I like the opening, like Christoph's got this little monologue to start and then you jumped it to Truman talking to himself in the mirror. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's not drawing yet. That comes later, but he's yeah. even talking to himself is just funny. And it's got those, like you said, those little cast interviews, that same format we still use all the time, but it's treating it like you're just watching the show Truman mm-hmm. show at the beginning. And it's right. Which is an interesting thing because the first time you watch it, you're like, okay, like I sort of know what this is about, but yeah. okay. We're just, is this it? Like, are we just pretending this is real? And then as it goes, you find out, Oh no, only Truman thinks it's real. Everybody else is in on the joke. Yeah. So, I, I read something that uh, Peter Weir, the director, um, almost um, uh, made himself the actor uh, for the director to really make it meta and like pull oh, it like, really in. And I was like, yeah, I'm glad that you didn't do that because that would have been like too much. But yeah. at the same time, it might have he might have been able to pull it off to like he, he 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 said he just really and they had Dennis Hopper um film the scenes and then they just thought that it didn't work right and so that's when they got ed harris to come in but um i just thought that that was kind of an interesting thing based on what you said like it's like wait a minute like how deep does down does the rabbit hole go on this right yeah uh, right after that, I had just kind of a regular day in the life of Truman. It shows like he gets up, who his wife is. Um, he, you get the, the the typical line that we'll I'm sure we'll we'll talk about in Drax, um, and just kind of who he does, who he is, and what he does on any given day, just to kind of set the tone for it. It's not anything like spectacular, but it really shows you like, and you sit there and you go people really watch this <laughs> like for a moment, you know, yeah. like obviously it gets a little, a little bit more interesting as the the movie goes along, but I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit later. But, um, uh, that's just kind of one of the things that I was like, ah, that's, that's a good setup. It has to be there yeah. and, 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 and to kind of establish, um, what, what they do on any given day. So, yeah, I love him listening to the radio in that one. And like, giving this illusion that, you know, to him, it's like, this is how everyone is with the radio. It feels like the the radio can hear you and they're just answering you, you know, like they're talking back to him, but Mm -hmm. as if they're just being goofy radio person, no, they actually can hear you Truman. They're just talking to you. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's, yeah, I have that one too. The next one I have from that is seeing his dad in the street, which is like the first kind of the the camera or the, uh, yeah, the camera or the light falls before that. Mm -hmm. Um, The light falls before that. And they explain that away. So you're getting a little, but when his dad shows up, that's the real, like, what is going on? Like for Truman too. Mm-hmm. Um, they like, and, and the ensuing like scramble to cover that up and like drag him on the bus. And it's just this interesting step into, all right, Truman's world's about to, to unravel here. I think, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's where we're going with this. So I like that, that little scene. All right, I've got the flashback to Lauren, um, yeah. his high school slash college sweetheart, <laughs> yeah. um, or or fling, or whatever we want to call it. Like this is really like, like I'm already going to spoil it. This is my favorite scene because it takes it's it's like you already talked about. It. Like this is like his free will moment, and they take everything. It's it's like simultaneously sweet and heartbreaking at the same moment. And uh, especially after you see like the dad, um, cause they, when they do the dad, um, scene, they kind of do the, a little flashback within the, the story saying like, yeah. Oh, you'll remember that, that Truman's dad died. Like that, that's a, that's heartbreaking. Cause you know that it's driven by the story and, and, and what they wanted to do. Uh, to, to make him catatonic to ever leaving safe Haven, safe Haven. Sea Haven. Sea Haven. Thank you. The, to, to, to ever leaving Sea Haven. Um, but like this one, uh, just kind of like his, his first true love instead of like them, like forcing uh, Meryl on him. So, yeah. 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 Cause like literally he's, he's making eyes across like the quad or whatever, you know, about mm-hmm. across the way at that Laurel. And then like Meryl falls on him. Like right. and is doing oh my ankle. It's like this is so forced and um and then and I think their prom, I think is what it's supposed to be. It's really like you said, it's hard to sell because they all look 35. Right. Um because they are. Because they are. <laughs> but he's like literally staring at Laurel like while he's dancing with Meryl, and they're just like staring at each other across the dance floor. It's so awkward. Yeah. 
But yeah, all those I had the all the flashback stuff with Laurel too, or Sylvia, or whatever her name is, whatever. Right, whatever. it's like it's, it's like well, because like she has a character name and a real name, real and so name, she yeah. she says her real just name like too. Meryl does with yeah. Hannah, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so I had that too. Um, and the next one after that, the radio malfunctions. He accidentally picks up the the cast frequency for a couple minutes, right? Um, but that kind of sets off like this thing, like he. He's freaked out by it, and then he's like, he tries to talk to, to Marlin, and like runs into the bank or some other. He runs into some other building, and the elevator like is accidentally open in the back, and just all these little things start being weird. Like he knows something is going on now, and he's trying to figure it out. Yeah, right after that, I have like like him really going. Like he goes to the travel agency yeah. and like starts to go like plan his trip to Fiji. He's always been talking about Fiji, but now he's like really wanting to do it. And then he decides to kind of test this theory. Almost, um, he gets in the car with Meryl. And they start trying to go off on some impromptu um, vacation and he's just thwarted. And then they go back to the house. uh, Right. And that's when he really has the breakdown and um, threatens her with the knife. And she she grabs the knife or she grabs the knife. And yeah. Yeah. And he breaks care or she breaks character because she's like, hey, he's help me. Right. And and he knows that he's just playing it up because he he knows that she'll she'll give it up and say, oh, yeah, like, yeah, this is this is not me. I need help. I need to get out of here. So, yeah. Yeah, I had all this stuff. I love the the, the drive with Meryl, especially because he's he's sat there and figured stuff out like he pulls her in the car. Mm-hmm. And has her watch the rearview mirror, and she's just like trying to play it off, like, "Oh, I don't know what you're talking about." And then the, they pull out, and the traffic jam happens, and then he just goes through the roundabout a couple times, and then says, "You know what? We'll go after all." And the traffic's all gone; they don't have time to, <laughs> to do it again. Right. But like, poor dude. Like, there's the traffic jam. There's I can't cross the bridge, so he closes his eyes and just slams on it and makes Merrill steer. Um, and then there's fire danger, and then there's a leak at the plant. Like all this stuff that just keeps happening. Right. Trying to control him there. Um, Not to mention the things that you've seen throughout the entire movie that like kind of feeding his phobia of yes. ever leaving based on his dad, like yeah. uh, his dad's death. So, yeah. Um, next one after that is, is reuniting with his dad and really more Marlon's kind of speech. That moment before it is what I like better because Marlon's giving this like heartfelt speech. And of course, by this point, you know that it's not real, but Mm-hmm. You wonder about Marlon a little bit to this point. Not he's that he so doesn't know. He's so good. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, he's so in. And seems to like maybe actually kind of care about Truman. Mm-hmm. So like you've been around this dude this long. You get wrapped up in it. But then it starts panning and you start seeing that he's literally being fed these lines from Kristoff's mouth. Like, right. Um, and just the way it's all manipulated so bad, like him calculating the shots. Like, okay, no, more fog. Now zoom in here and you know, mm-hmm. all this to catch the crying moment exactly right. Um, all the executives coming, congratulating them on this great scene and all that stuff. So that now, really just shows the depths of the manipulation. Right. And does his dad return before or after that? That's when his dad comes back. Him and that's Marlon. Right. Yeah. Marlon comes over thing. Yeah. to like when him and, and after a, Meryl breaks character. It's really hard having Meryl and Marlon, by the way, they could right. not have given us something a little different, <laughs> but like they just send Marlon over with, you know, a six pack of beer. Cause that's the answer to everything on this show. Just send Marlon <laughs> over with beer and it'll be okay. Um, but they're out there drinking and, and somehow he does it. I found him. I found him Truman. And his dad comes like walking out of the fog. Mm-hmm. Like after they're having that conversation, it's like, why was he just hanging out down there in the dark waiting for this moment? But yeah. We'll get to that in a movie a little more, I'm sure. Yeah. And right after that, um, Truman, um, he, he kind of shows like he's accepting of it, but he starts sleeping downstairs in the basement and like turns off the lights and they consistently can't find him or like they don't have like he's kind of testing out some of like their capability uh, to see like what it is uh, that they can see and not see, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I love his, in the midst of that, where he's kind of pretending he does the major Burbank thing where he draws on the Mm -hmm. mirror. And at the very end of it, he goes, that one's for free and walks away. And you're like, wait, 
Did he Wait, just acknowledge that, that they're great. watching? Who's he talking to? <laughs> but like nobody notices it because they're just watching their show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had all that. And then of course he escapes after testing all those limits. Um, and then the, the whole town's out searching for him. They cut the transmission, which is a huge deal for them. And they, they bring the sun up early because, oh yeah, yeah, we're not really outside. <laughs> um, you know, all, all that stuff I had in there. Um, and then of course they finally find him out in the, out on the water in the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and they bring up the storm to try to force him back. That part's intense. I love the yeah. guy in the bathtub watching through all that part, by the way. <laughs> they keep flashing to him. Right. And when the storm's really getting bad, he's like holding on to the shower curtain. <laughs> you can do it. Hold on. Yeah, I kind of pulled all that stuff into like a really long ending scene because that, yeah. that's the thing that I kind of had a hard time with this movie. I know that you and I have talked about other movies where it's just like, hey, there are too many quick hitters, but it feels like these scenes are really long and, and involved uh, or for the, the bigger ones, right? Yeah. The ones that you're that are worth uh, kind of discussing. I mean, we didn't talk about him going to his office and like his his boss and like yeah. some of that stuff that just doesn't really matter. Um, so I, I kind of had that all the way to the end where he talks with Kristoff and like walks up the steps and decides um, that he's going to live his life on his own, you know? And then just what I love the, the very, you know, Kristoff says something about like, Hey, the whole world's watching. Like, what do you have to say? And you see him kind of straighten up and then he turns around, and delivers his, his, uh, his little line, you know, mm-hmm. good afternoon. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And he takes a bow and walks out the door. Yeah. So which one's your favorite? I really love the very end where he walks out the door. I don't know. It's, I mean, like, that's that's what everybody thinks of the movie. Like, it's a very close second, but, like, like for some reason that like oh no i love the flashback scene the that flashback was in contention scene. yeah i'm with you that, that one's that one's near and dear because he just it's the first time he feels alive in it yeah. you know he's like this cheery guy but then like he also has this kind of like floating through life type of uh, uh monotony that he well and everything else on. has been so controlled even though he doesn't know yeah. it like it's all mm-hmm. been scripted for him and this is like the one Right. Like, like free moment. He really has. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh, jump into uh, Drax, our favorite lines. What do we, what do you want to start us off with? Promise me one thing though. If I die before we reach the summit, you'll use me as an alternative source of food. <laughs> Ew. Gross. Like he's talking in the mirror, like grosses himself. <laughs> so you mentioned this one before um, when we were, t- you were talking about the intro, but I, I really liked it. Kristoff um, at the very beginning, we've become bored with watching actors give us phony emotions. We're tired of pyrotechnics and special effects. While the world he inhabits is in some respects counterfeit. There's nothing fake about Truman himself. No scripts, no cue cards. It isn't always Shakespeare, but it's genuine. It's a life. And of course, over the, the sort of the, the, uh, the, the course of the movie, we realize that it's, it's really not, it's being completely contrived, just like reality TV. And, and like, that's the beauty of, of, uh, this being prescient on like reality TV is not actually real. (laughs) And if you did follow somebody through the monotony of a day, like, and that's where some of the stuff, like, uh, people watching him sleep, like stuff is just like, dude, get a life. Like stop that. Right? <laughs> like, I think Christoph, it might even be sort of in that. It's not in the very like monologue, but just in the interspliced intro stuff where he's like, mm-hmm. we find, we've, we find that many people leave him on like while they're sleeping because it brings them <laughs> comfort or something. Like, what is wrong? I don't want to, I don't want the TV of some other dude sleeping while I'm sleeping. Right. That's creepy. Yeah. No, thank you. In the flashback scene, I love it when they're down on the beach and he's talking about, oh, this is my favorite Italian place. And he goes, Tony, one large, extra plankton. Like, <laughs> like it's a very serious movie, but you get these little yeah. snippets of Jim Carrey just like not being able to help himself probably. Right. And uh, yeah, I just love the little bursts. Yeah. Um, 
so Mike Michelson, which is a fantastic name. Um, uh, I'm, I'm stepping on um, favorite name in, in a great name in casting, Mike Michelson. Um, <laughs> he says, Kristoff, uh, uh, let me ask you, why do you think that Truman has never come close to discovering the true nature of his world until now? And Kristoff says, we accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. Loved that line, had that one too. Once you have the right context, I love this. When uh, he sees the picture with his wife's fingers crossed, which we'll talk about later, because mm-hmm. that part I'm not, I have issues. We'll talk about that later. But when he delivers this line, she's going in talking about her day and says something about this surgery she's going in for. He goes, Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. And it's just like this great delivery <laughs> of like, Does he know? What is he like? It's very pointed. But but real subtle. I like it. You mentioned this one before, but it's one of my favorites because it's like the the duality of Marlon. You think that he's this great guy, and it's, he's just not. Um, Marlon talking to him, he goes, "The point is, I would gladly step in front of traffic for you, Truman." And the last thing I would ever do to you, and then you see Kristoff like feeding him his line, is lie to you. And then Marlon goes, is lie to you. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just uh, you You think that Marlon like is this good guy and he's, he's not an evil guy, but he's also manipulating the situation and knows exactly what he's doing. So Yes. Um. <laughs> When Truman gets gets Merrill in the car, starts driving around the roundabout, he goes, the early bird gathers no moss. The rolling stone catches no worms. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> the, the network executive, and I think it's Philip, uh, Philip Baker Hall. Um, for God's sake, Chris, the whole world is watching. We can't let him die in front of a live audience. And Christoph says he was born in front of a live audience. <laughs> like, this is okay. This is reality TV. This is reality. Yeah. yeah. I love they drive through the, uh, the fire when, you know, they're trying to keep him from driving out in Maryland. They go through the fire and he looks at Merrill and all the smoke starts clearing from the car and he goes, you okay? And she kind of doesn't say anything. I think so. Like kind of nods or something. He goes, you want to do it again? (laughs) All excited. It's like the first time he's lived. Truman uh, towards the end, um, at the very, very end. And he goes, was nothing real? And Christoph said, you were real. That's what made you so good to watch. Which I think we're going to talk about that in uh, plot holes and quibbles a little bit. I'm sure we'll get there. Um, I love Meryl's meltdown. The end of it when she's flipped out and she can't handle it anymore. After it's after Marlon walks in and she's like, no one could work in these conditions. And she's going off and she ends with it's unprofessional. <laughs> so all this is Truman's fault. Right. He's not a union uh, card carrying member of the, <laughs> the screen actors. He's literally got anything. adopted by a television right. company. <laughs> Uh, I, I really loved this one. Uh, the bus driver, he's unable to get the ferry moving. And he's like, I'm usually the bus driver in this PA just goes into his radio. Bottom line is they, they can't drive the boat. They're actors. <laughs> yeah, I thought that one. Um, I love Truman talking to Kristoff um, at the end. And he says, you never had a camera in my head. All right. What is your, what's your favorite one? Of course, we didn't mention the good morning. Good morning. Yeah. morning. Yeah. In case I don't see it. It's probably that, even though yeah. like I, I just mentioned it earlier because in the last mm-hmm. scene, but he says it you know, three or four times. Um, it's probably that. That's definitely the most memorable line that I right. think of from this movie. So, but is that your favorite? Does that mean it's your I don't know. Favorite? I really love the I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. <laughs> like, yeah. And the look just he like gives her. I like the, you never had a camera in my head. Like that's one of the, I was saving it for last because it is the most like, like you think you may have been in control the entire time, but like you really weren't. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, let's go into recognize, recognize my face. There's some contenders like some, and you mentioned some of them, even in the opening that like, okay. like Noah Emmerich who plays Marlon isn't like, that's not a household name or anything. Yeah, it's it, um, and Philip Baker Hall the same way, like you described it. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're right. Like, if you see him and be like, "Oh, that guy," because I mean, he's in 
He's in Argo. He's in Bruce Almighty. He's in Some of All Fears, Enemy of the State, Rush Hour, Air Force One, The Rock. And best of all, he's the library guy on Seinfeld, like the hardcore yes. library, like hunting Jerry down for this book. It's all serious. <laughs> like he's got some some epic ones. Um, even Holland Taylor, who plays Truman's mom, has had some. She was uh, one of the professors in Legally Blonde, and she played the mom on Two and a Half Men. I always convince myself every time I see her that she's, she's Julie the... Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like Julie Andrews too, but I always think that she's the mom, uh, Ross and uh, Rachel's mom on Friends. Oh, she just kind of yeah. like has a similar look, and then I start looking, and I'm like, nope, that's not the right one. Yeah. But my runaway easy winner for recognize my face. There's a Japanese family watching the show that it cuts to a couple times just for a second. Mm-hmm. And this every time I forget. And then it doesn't. I'm like, oh, what's that? Is it? And I have to go look it up. And every time it is, because his name's Yuji Okumoto, but he's chosen in Karate Kid 2. Dude, you, you're, this is like your Memphis Bell. This. <laughs> I love, I love it. I love that you have a, that you have your thing. Yeah. Uh, I had, um, you're, you're right. Like Noah Emmerich, I was trying to put him in a couple of different other places, but I didn't, he wasn't in before they were stars. He wasn't in breakout or anything like that. Cause he's, he's been like the third or fourth lead in a lot of different movies. Super eight. Um, he was like the, the, uh, hardcore, um, air force, uh, yeah. Colonel in that one. Um, but he's just, the assistant coach in Miracle. I love him in that role. Yeah. He, um, he plays a, uh, a CIA agent in uh, The Americans, the FX show with Carrie Russell, um, where he lives next door to these Russian spies. And it's like this cat and mouse game of like, he's like their best friend. And like, whether or not he's going to find out like that they're spies, he's really good in that. But like, that's not like, making him a household name or anything. So I've got two, I've got Joel McKinnon Miller. He's one of the two guys watching the show that are like, I think he, I think they're in like these off duty, either they're, they're sheriffs. Oh, like the security guards or something. Okay. So it was security guards. Um, He, he's Scully on uh, Brooklyn nine, nine. So it just kind of cracks me up that he's just kind of this typical like cop type um, role. And then Peter Krauss plays Lawrence um, Truman's boss. He was uh, on sports night like the sports center ripoff uh, show that Aaron Sorkin did. Uh, he was one of the two like lead anchors, him and Joshua Charles. Uh, he plays Casey McCall. So those were the the two that just kind of jumped out because it's such a small cast and most of the yeah. other, other people like Laura Linney's like a little bit too much for um, stepping on all that stuff. So I'm going to we'll wait until we get there. So yeah. did you have any uh, great names in casting? I didn't. Can you beat you? Can you beat Mike Michelson? I don't think so. I, don't, <laughs> I have no idea how you beat Mike Michelson. Hi, I, I like to introduce myself. I'm Mike, son of Mike. <laughs> there's a you haven't watched Friends like I have. There's a yeah. this is Doctor. Your, your chiropractor's name is Doctor Bobby. That's just his, his last name is Bobby and his first name. His name is Bobby. Bobby? No, it's Robert Bobby. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Those guys, names. Mike Michelson. Nice. Why do people do these things to their kids? That's what makes it funnier is that it's true. Like there's yeah. somebody out there with this name. I'm sorry if you're listening magically. Somehow <laughs> you found this random podcast and we're making fun of your name, but it's funny. Let's move on to who beefed. Uh, does it hold up? You know, the only, it's hard to imagine this movie in an age of social media now. Like we're so like connected to stuff. Like, you would have to create this crazy world without any of that in it, mm-hmm. which could become its own like sociological experiment. Then I'm surprised someone hasn't actually done this in real right. life. Like, Hey, let's create a whole town where there's no social media and see what the kids are like in five years compared to the ones oh, out here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I might want to live there. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think, I think just some of that stuff is just hard to imagine. Like, yeah. I can't imagine keeping this a secret for this long anymore. Like that someone would not find a way to, hack in or get in or do something especially Mm -hmm. now with how like everything is so connected right like even cell phones were becoming like very um uh, prevalent 
at this point in time or very close to it you know yeah like i got my first cell phone whenever it was like 2001 like, like pagers were kind of still the thing or like you had to be a doctor to have like a cell phone at this point in time um so and, and i think that's what lends itself to like we're usually using kind of the more like dated americana like because it doesn't necessarily tell you like when it is sure like it, it's not like super old because like there's some newer cars but he can kind of make it like you don't know if it's like late 90s or maybe it might be early 90s before like cell phone and internet are like super huge or anything like that but because they can control everything he's probably going to just kind of hand wave some of that stuff away to like hey we don't need to we don't need to show everything yeah um as we go through this process but you're right it's it's simultaneously it's prescient, but it's also like completely dated. Like I showed it to Xavier and he was like, Oh, that was good. But I'm sure if he was like, Oh, I could kind of pick that apart in two seconds. Well, why didn't they do this and this and this yeah. and this? And like, oh, well, if it was right now, then you would be able to say all of those things. Yeah. So the original script had Truman uh, living in a, in a recreation of New York City, uh, but like Weir wanted to change it to make it feel less like science fiction. So that was like a very like um, concerted effort on his part to kind of keep that from like he, he probably felt like he could control it rather than and of course probably the costs would be astronomical trying to recreate some of like something like that instead of like hey let's go film in some small town in america so that we can like get Do this off on want. the cheap yeah yeah did you have a least favorite scene or any editing so the finger crossing thing mm-hmm obviously i like i like the result of it and it's kind of a nice mechanism to just give another clue to truman but like people that are this protective are they really going to allow that in like it just doesn't fit like all this stuff that they do to hide the secret and then you leave this big obvious thing just sitting in his hands all the time like hey look my wife has her fingers crossed not to mention how mm-hmm. old is this woman that she thinks she crosses her fingers <laughs> and they're not really married or something like what you're already not using your real name so i think you're safe because uh meryl does not exist in real life it's a character name um so you're not actually married to this person anyway right although he doesn't know that that's just the whole i don't even want to try and unpack like the way you'd have to wrap your mind around that um right especially when christoph's pushing for the first on-air conception ever like that's just an awkward weird stuff. like God, what is wrong with this guy why right. is this a thing yeah. um that's that's too much reality i don't know no right because we're gonna have the first on-air conception or you're gonna have the first on-air birth like like no one wants to see a mucus plug on live tv okay i promise you nobody does um <laughs> no one but i don't know I, it felt like this kind of weird not that there's not a hundred other things that are totally implausible in right. most movies but like that one seemed ridiculously mm-hmm. impl- like didn't fit as well and wasn't really necessary like there's already plenty to have him thinking and wondering right um, about all this stuff so i know it adds a little bit where he's now questioning his wife even but right please the way she like robotically talks to him about products she could she was already weird enough okay there was plenty to doubt already when she's like mm-hmm. want some cocoa you know like i don't yeah yeah she already talks like a robot enough that you got to wonder about her so yeah M- mainly like my my <laughs> quibbles with like editing are just like my normal things like for an over for a little bit of a it's not overly long but it's just a little bit too long so i would just try to tighten up some things and like just kind of try to take snippets here and there and i think that can be it gets a little too it's like they even mention it it's like they they tried to toy with like whether it was a funny enough or not, or whether it was light enough or not. And so it's kind of like this, like really expensive art film for the time with like a big bankable star, like, like Jim Carrey and paying him like lots of money, maybe not as much as he normally fetches, but he really wanted to do this movie. And so they're trying to go, Oh man, do we really want to, is this really what we want to do when we have Jim Carrey and not let him be funny? But that's what he wanted to do, you know? Yeah. And so I think everything just kind of hangs out just a little bit too long, which makes the movie a little bit too long. By the time you're, you're kind of towards the end of it, you're like, 
okay. And if you've seen it before, you're like, let's just get to the end. That's when it's really, it gets really good, you know? And so I don't know, that's just, it's a little nitpicky, but I think that's probably the thing that most people would think about with Truman show. It's like, Hey, that's good. But I remember that it was just a little bit too long. So there's definitely some slow spots. Yeah. All right. What about plot holes and quibbles? There's just no way he gets this goes this long without somebody exactly. completely spoiling this is the big, and the whole scene with Laurel, like the whole flashback scene, like there's like 50 different times she could have just stopped and explained it clear and blindly right. and it'd been over. And she doesn't like, and I know some of that is like, Oh, we're young. And I just want to make out with this guy too. Um, where we're here batting our <laughs> eyelashes too much. So I can't talk. Um, but like, even when she tries to explain it, she doesn't do it in a clear way at all. I mean, I know it's, it's gotta be hard to try and explain to someone, by the way, this isn't your real life. You're on a TV show, right. but like no one ever says that to him. Like they beat yeah. it. Like they say it in weird ways so that he's just confused instead of understanding. Um, and my big one with but her a little bit b- before, uh, before, yeah. before you move on, but, but a little bit of that apprehension is kind of like her playing both sides. She thinks that True. she thinks that she can get away with like telling it. Like, she thinks that she's got a clear getaway, but she's like, all right, I need to give him enough information, but I also want to keep this job. This sweet <laughs> well, and I want to stay around show, him right? probably like, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, why doesn't she just get out of the car? Right. Like they put her in the car in the passenger seat and her dad closes the door and then she just leans across to try to talk to him out the driver window. Like, why not just get out? <laughs> it's like an old station wagon. No way did that thing have some automatic locks in it or anything. Like, no, right. you could just open the door. Is there a time delay to watch this show around the world or is everybody live at the same time? Because that really sucks. Ooh, they make it right. sound like it's always live to everyone just as it goes. So if you live in right. like China... And you're watching mm-hmm. the show every day when you're awake, he's just asleep all day. Do you have to stay up all night to watch the anything right. actually happen? Or it's just that part doesn't make any sense, which also makes the when they have the moment where they cut transmission. Yeah. You're like, didn't you like have a talk show on just a while ago? Like talking to Kristoff and, and like you have flashback scenes like you have other times where you're not just showing the mm-hmm. nothingness that's happening on the live transmission. And that's like in the middle of the night, too. Like he was yeah. sleeping. You couldn't pull some speed action and just loop that footage and just right. go searching for him while everyone at home has no idea. Like, get the get the Kristoff twenty uh, sixth uh, anniversary special up. You know, yeah, let's so- roll that again so that nobody thinks anything was going wrong. Now, I had the I had the same thing as you. Um, is that there's no way it takes this long. The original premise was supposed to be like right around the time that he graduated high school and it's supposed to be like more teen angst and kind of, but, and that seems a lot more plausible. Like you're becoming more free. You're thinking on your own, like a lot of those things, but the fact that he made it to 30 and (laughs) got married and like has his career and all this stuff and no lights fell from the sky before then, you know, like, yeah. So what, little, what was their honeymoon like, by the way, did, oh where, they just stayed in Sea Haven? Like, right. <laughs> he got married and just went nowhere. Or did they like put him on a plane and fly around? Like, <laughs> did they fake that somehow? Like, oh, I know. Hey, they look, honey, we're in this new place. And they're just in a studio somewhere. <laughs> like, how? Yeah, how would they, this that's, work? that's why they made him like ridiculously catatonic about yeah. like moving anywhere else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, breakout performance. Did you have anybody in that? I did not. I had no one in breakout. So I'm going to do the buyers thing. Um, do it. Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, as a serious actor. I almost did it. Dang it! What made you not? The, he's still not totally serious in this one. I don't oh, know. He's really. Serious. He's pretty serious, but he also has plenty of like I'm crazy Jim Carrey moments still. So I was on the fence. Okay. But I think it's totally legit. Because like his next um and there's definitely nothing before this that's serious, like absolutely nothing. Right. Like the list before this is um Ace Ventura, Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Batman Forever, <laughs> Ace Ventura Two, Cable Guy, and Liar Liar. Right. Yeah. Like Liar Liar's as close as it gets and when you write on your own face with a blue pen and talk about how the pen is blue over and over that, mm-hmm. no, automatically disqualified from being a serious movie. 
see this this is him walking so he could run in man on the moon which i don't like as a movie but of course he won uh, a golden globe as andy kaufman um so i think uh, most of my man on the moon issues are just i don't like the movie like i don't like what yeah. they were trying to do not that he didn't yeah. he did it well i just don't like it it's like yeah yeah he didn't actually he was nominated for a golden globe he wasn't uh, uh he didn't win it sorry yeah. yeah. But I mean, this, this does set up things like Man on the Moon, The Majestic. Yeah. Um, some of the more serious Jim Carrey roles. This is first, definitely the first. Oh, hey, Jim Carrey doesn't just have to be a complete lunatic for an entire movie. He can actually mm-hmm. do other stuff. Yeah. So I'll give it to you. Okay. I saved most of those thoughts for a later. Okay. Final category. Oh, I see. <laughs> I, I, I but it makes sense did. here. I, I re- originally did that and then I put it up here and was like, ah, so, all right. Before they were stars. It's Paul Giamatti count. Paul Giamatti counts. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I know his name when I see him, I look through his IMBD and I'm like surprised by how, like, I expect there to be more to like right. justify me calling him a star where I'm like, mm-hmm. huh? But no, I still think you count. Like I know exactly who you are the second yeah. I see you. Right. Except when you're in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 and I'm like, is that really Paul Giamatti? Is this crazy mm-hmm. guy? It is. Okay. Oh, the rhino? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were watching No Way Home recently and everyone was talking about like their, their best villains and like Andrew Garfield was like, I had this Russian guy one time and he was in a, a rhinoceros like suit. Ah, I'm, I'm not good. <laughs> I'm lame. And then uh, Toby's like, oh, no, that's bad self-talk. Don't do that. Um, no, I, I, I completely forget about that one as well until we start watching that one again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Bald Chiamatis is going over It was over just like really top. like Spider-Man and said, hey, yeah. can, I, can I be in this somewhere, guys? Yeah. Something. Uh, iconic moment. I didn't have one. I didn't have I didn't... one either. Even though this is like a, a very well-known, I think maybe like the uh, the good morning uh, part or maybe him like walking up the steps, but like yeah. not really. Maybe the yeah. bow and the walkout, but even yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Emperor Palpatine, Jim Carrey, Unlimited Power Over Actor Award. All right. I think I this some... might be the, the first Jim Carrey movie that we can't actually give it to. <laughs> Definitely not going to... So I have three contenders that I also Ooh, thought were really funny. Okay. Uh, Meryl's product placement ads have to be given yes. some consideration because she is yeah. just ridiculous with the, the cocoa and the knives, especially yeah. those two get me when she like sneaks in one about a lawnmower. I'm like, okay, that was nice and subtle. Right. And like Marlins are not like Marlin just stages it. Right. But he's right. just taking a drink of beer. Like yeah. hers are just so forced. It was they're They're funny. <laughs> um, Truman's gardening outfit definitely had to get some mention somewhere and i'm like this is where it can be this is this it's is like it. lederhosen yeah. like he just looks so ridiculous <laughs> who goes home and changes into this to like weed the garden this is crazy but my my winner the gemmins the, the gemmins <laughs> my winner is the travel agency poster mm. with the lightning striking the plane right. with the tagline that says it could happen to you <laughs> like oh my gosh who would ever fly on a plane if this is like, oh, let's go buy plane tickets and this is there to greet you. Like plane being right. struck by lightning, telling you this could be you. Truth in advertising, man. <laughs> I take that stuff seriously. Um, mine was like the dad question mark. Like he's just kind of, it's a little too, too dramatic. Maybe that's the thing with like the moment. Um, but uh, I think Laura Linney's um uh, product placement definitely wins. So, uh, technical cinematography nerd stuff. Um, Ed Harris and Jim Carrey never met during filming. I read, ah, which I'm like, that makes sense. I guess they're yeah. never on screen screen together. Yeah. I'm sure that kind of added to the, the method of it too. Like mm, mm-hmm. just this random voice out here for the one time they talk. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really have, have much either. Like, it's pretty straightforward shot, like nothing, any, I mean, there's some, there's some cool stuff, but not anything super crazy. I like the shot of him and uh, Marlon sitting on the dock with the storm in the background. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is that cool. one's pretty cool. Yeah. 
until you realize uh, the storm's fake. Right, fake. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite song or score moment? Uh, they play the same score a couple times um, when he's figuring stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, when he runs away and they're looking for him. Um, yeah. It's that same little little buildup that was really good. Um, the thing that I liked was, uh, I thought it was part of the soundtrack or part of the score, but it's actually, um, a Chopin, uh, piece called Largetto. Um, and it's the scene where he meets Lauren. So like, it's, I was like, oh, this yeah. sounds like a really nice, like very classical piece. And then like, I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's cause it is. That's cause it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. What you've been waiting for spiritual metaphors and illustrations. It's almost a page long. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I love it. So to borrow from another uh, Jim Carrey movie in Bruce Almighty, he has this rant in Bruce Almighty about God being a kid with a magnifying glass and he's the ant and has this whole mm-hmm. rant in that one about how, and honestly, that's, that's how a lot of people view God. Like he's this mean, controlling, manipulative demanding person right and they play Kristoff off that way perfectly in the mm. movie like that's mm-hmm. what they're going for and and some of his name is Kristoff. like it's a slight variation of christ like i think there was mm. some intention mm-hmm. there he has that line where he starts talking to truman from the sky of course right you know? mm-hmm. and he goes i'm the creator and there's just the slightest pause like he's gonna right. stop there and it's like of a television program um so like they set this up, but you know, like Kristoff is this godlike figure, and in a lot of ways he is in Truman's life, like he controls everything. And um, but like so many people have this view of that's how God is, that like he controls and manipulates, and Kristoff's tools are you know, fear and guilt. Um, Marlon has a line early on um in the opening thing, you know, nothing is fake, it's controlled, and like they're acting like this is a good thing. Um and they maintain that by scaring Truman, by making him catatonic. Like you said, like he can't do things out of fear. Um, they kill his dad off that way. They make it, there's a mention that like one time when he wants to go somewhere, they, his mom gets sick, you know, at just the wrong time. So he can't go anywhere, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Christoph has a couple of good lines. Like he talks, the one you mentioned, you know, we accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. Um, and then there's another one where he's talking on the phone to, to Laurel or Sylvia and uh, says Truman prefers his cell as you call it, mm. like trying to tell us the basically like, yes, I control this and I manipulate this, but Truman likes it. Like he has this great life and he really believes that, but life without real choice isn't really life. You know, mm-hmm. um, a life controlled by guilt and fear is not life. And it's certainly not the life God wants for us. And that's not how God treats us. Even though a lot of times, sadly, that's how the church treats people with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, first, first John four eighteen says there's no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love like god doesn't want us to come to him because we're afraid of the alternative he doesn't want us he doesn't want to manipulate us and force us into a relationship with him that's that's not how our god works right um because that's not relationship there's no love in that because love love always requires a choice Hmm. and yes choices are messy um, cause we don't always choose the way we should. Nobody does. And then when, once you add up all the choices of everyone, it just becomes a real tangled mess. Um, but God calls us through that to, to himself, through love, through grace, through mercy, not coercion, fear, and guilt. Um, although sadly those claiming to be his followers often use mm. coercion, fear, and guilt to try and get people <laughs> to follow, um, official apologies on behalf of the church for that. That's not who we're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so sorry if that's what you've experienced from church and it was wrong. That's not who our God is. Um, you know, we, we try to control all the variables so it's easy to follow God. And it's not about being easy. Um, it's about going through those things and his love is just bigger than those things and gets us through those difficulties. And I love how we see Truman by the end, push through that, right. like motivated by love, by wanting mm-hmm. to be free, by wanting to go find, uh, Laurel, like, gets over his fear and gets out in that boat and gets back in the water, you know, that, and that, so that, that verse, like perfect love casting out fear, just like mm-hmm. rings through this movie for me that this is what relationship really looks like. This is what our God really looks like. Not, this isn't it. This is what people have built up to control and manipulate and, and create their little world where everything's just how they want it. And it doesn't work that way. Um, it can never work that way. And God never intended it to work that way. Instead Luther, of controlling Luther us, Luther never never made it 
I never wanted it to be that way either. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's good. But, you know, God loves us through those things. Instead of trying to control us and manipulate us, he loves us and just wants us to respond to that love and gives us that choice. Um, and doesn't force us into those things because that's not relationship. And that's what he really desires with us. So Christoph thinks that's what he wants and thinks that's what he has. You know, there's that right. scene where he, he's like touching the screen while Truman's sleeping and like, it's supposed to seem all sweet sort of, right. um, or at least you're supposed to think that Christoph thinks it's like this right. touching, caring moment. It's like, no, you control every aspect of this guy's life. You don't care about him at all. Like he's just, mm-hmm. he's just nothing to you. He's, he's a tool. Yeah. Um, he's something you yeah. use and manipulate all the time. So that's not, that's not who our God is. To Christoph, people are his possessions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, Billy Idol. Uh, no, no problem. No problem. No, I mean, like, uh, I, I wrote down identity and I was waiting for you to talk about identity. <laughs> and I was just like, no, he's, he's, uh, he's not going to do it. But, but also how the world can influence us. And, and, and it kind of, it, it talks about, uh, or I, I was thinking about how, like, the idea of being, like, similarly yoked. Uh, we were talking about this a lot with the, uh, with the boys uh, on a long road trip uh, pretty recently. And we were kind of talking through, like, why, why we have friends that aren't of the world or that are in the world so that we can be the salt and the light that we're supposed to be. But like the people that we surround ourselves with and, and the friends that we do, like poor Truman just doesn't have any options here, but it kind of gets to the point of like, if, if he, he is a victim of his circumstances, you know, but even then he can still break outside of that, you know? Um, and that's, that's truly like, like, and we talked about it recently in one of the movies. Um, and I mentioned this, but it bears mentioning again, it's like, it doesn't matter when somebody comes to uh, the knowledge of Christ and makes that decision for uh, making him uh, uh, savior um, and uh, redeemer of their life is just, it doesn't matter when it happens. It just matters that it does happen. And, and that um, it, it's a, the people will recognize that, that he is going to fulfill a lot of those things that aren't fulfilling their lives. And that's what he's always looking at something outside of himself. He's always thinking yeah. about Fiji and he's thinking about traveling, even though he's deathly scared of it. And that just kind of tapped into the, there's, there's a God shaped hole in all of us that if we don't have it, like we should be like, um, like, like people will want to know about it. Um, so that was the thing that like, just kind of, even, even in a movie that like, like you mentioned, like is probably a criticism of that. You could still kind of see it, um, or potentially seems to be a, a criticism of, of God and how controlling he can, he can seem to be, um, when people manipulate it, uh, into, into looking that way, you know? So. Yeah. I read something that even a lot of the, the back, a lot of Christoph's lines to him at the end, like there's a lot of Psalm 139 in there. Like, you know, before I, I knew you before in the womb and all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that, that God says to us that Christoph kind of says some of those same things to Truman. Right. I'm um, trying to manipulate that stuff and tell him who he is. And yet it's all fake. And so he wants the real thing. Um, right. He wants to know He's who just, he really is. Well, and he's just forgetting one thing, like actual love. Yeah. you know, instead of power and control. And yes. like, it's a very old Testament, like stereotypical <laughs> version of God, right? Yes. The non Job, uh, or <laughs> the, the bad parts of Job, uh, <laughs> version the, of God. The Job yeah. out of context. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, what about, uh, random thoughts or pieces of, uh, useless trivia or anything that you ran into? So some crazy person used like the dates that they have on like newspapers and some of the weird stuff to calculate Truman's birthday. Oh, okay. And we would have the same birthday according to his, what? not the same year, not the same year. Oh, okay. But the same day. That's September cool. 29th would be Truman, Truman Burbank's birthday. Like sweet, it's your birthday with Truman Burbank. 
Um, I mentioned this a, a, a little bit earlier, but uh, I think that it's kind of interesting. Um, I love this behind the scenes stuff. Like Paramount was cautious about the film, which they themselves dubbed the most expensive art film ever made because <laughs> uh, it's a it had a $60 million budget um, and they wanted the film to be funnier and less dramatic. But Peter Weir also sh- and Peter Weir also shared this vision, feeling that Andrew Nichols script was too dark. And he declared um, where he, meaning Nickel, had it depressing, I could make it light. It could convince audiences that they could watch a show in this scope 24-7. And they said that Nickel wrote 16 drafts of the script before Weir considered the script ready for filming. 16 drafts. And that's just crazy. I'm sure that the people in this in the industry are like, that's not that much, but um, to me, it sounds like those guys hated each other by the end. Right. Of the oh my gosh. <laughs> All of the stuff that I saw afterwards, anything that Andrew Nichol wrote, he directed himself. <laughs> and I was like, yep. Sounds about I'm right. I'm done putting my work in someone else's hands. Right. Um, but, but I think that it does bear mentioning that like, it does strike a good balance. It does. Like th- this movie could delve into and and carries the one that really holds it all together yeah. because it could dip into this like um, really serious movie. Um, and it, and it just kind of, as soon as it, 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 it's about to do that, it kind of pops back up and they, yeah. they kind of find a moment and it doesn't necessarily, like you mentioned, it just has to be a little bit funny. You know, hey, let's let's add some levity to this. Um, kind of like a Marvel movie, you know, yes. like, hey, something serious just happened. Person. Let's let's uh, let's crack crack some people up, you know. So what an amazing moment when Jim Carrey is providing emotional balance to something. That's <laughs> that's spectacular. Because seriously, how many times, how many movies I looked it up and calculated this. So I have an answer. Yes. So I'm cheating. How okay. many movies do you think that Jim Carrey's character essentially loses his mind? in? Ooh. Ace Ventura. See, I wasn't even counting Ace Ventura because he's just crazy from the beginning. Okay. Uh, Ace Ventura 2. The Mask. (laughs) The Mask, Uh, for sure. um, Batman Forever. Like, Edward Nygma totally loses it. For sure. Does the cable Uh, guy fall into he loses his mind or it's already lost? Well... Um, you see him as a little kid that has not lost his mind. Oh, that's true. Um, Liar, liar, a little bit. Yes, 100%. Um, Man on the Moon? Yes. Me, myself, and Irene, obviously. Yes. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, obviously. What about Grinch? I didn't even count Grinch because he's not playing a person. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I could totally see that. But Bruce Almighty, right? See, I didn't even put that one because compared to all these others, Bruce Almighty looks sane. Sane, yeah. Um, Eternal Sunshine, for sure. The number 23, literally. Yeah. Um, fun with Dick and Jane. I never of. watched that one. Fun with Dick and Jane. No. Um, he literally like they're going broke in one night. He steals the neighbor's lawn, like just loses it and carves out a piece of their lawn and plants it in his. Nice. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yes, man. He yes, 100% man. does. Yeah. Um, a Christmas Carol. He's Ebenezer mm-hmm. Scrooge who totally loses nine. And I got to give Dr. Robotnik, especially in Sonic 2, is an absolutely <laughs> crazy person. I'm just like, this is at least, I got to 12 without counting either Ace Ventura. So you throw those in and we're at like 14, 15. That's funny. And yet here's the one movie where everyone's trying to make him think he's losing his mind and he's actually the sanest person there. He does kind of snap a little bit, but you're right. He, he should snap. He, though. Like, yeah, it's allowed exactly. in this one. Yeah. I guess in uh, you should be able to snap in liar liar too. Then I guess that's true. <laughs> this one's pretty easy. Whose movie is it? Uh, there's no exciting answer. It's Jim Carrey. I mean, yeah. There's no other real co-stars. I mean, Laura Linney's right. as close as it gets, probably. And yeah. So you know, it's but. the it's the quintessential thing that we continue to talk about with uh, Jim Carrey movies is that he's the star and everybody else just kind of falls in line. You know, yeah. He's he's too outsized uh, of a character to uh, to have the to have anybody else in there. You know, but yes. he does he does play well in the sandbox with. Um, with these, with the two main characters that that he bounces off of, you know. Yeah. But hey, it's a movie with an actual plot. 
And Jim Carrey carries it. That was like the first time that he had to do this. I mean, like Mm -hmm. no offense to Ace Ventura or the mask or dumb and dumber. Cause I love dumb and dumber (laughs) Ace Ventura too. Um, cable guy gets gets to be bonkers. Um, be an absolute (laughs) psychopath. Um, liar, liar. We've discussed it. Like like Batman forever. He's not even the lead, although he takes over like that. He's the most memorable thing in it and wins the movie. He really is. Yep. Which when you're in a superhero movie and you're not the superhero and you win the movie, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, but this is like the first time, like we have a real plot. We have real thoughts where it's all relying on Jim Carrey (laughs) and he comes through with a serious role. Yeah. Cause that was his breakout thing. It was his first serious role. Well, that's all we have for the Truman Show. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think about uh, any of our categories at uh, the Phileo Podcasts on our Facebook page or on Instagram at Phileo Podcast, all one word, all lowercase, or shoot us an email at phileopodcast at gmail.com. Great job, Iris. Good brownies. Good brownies. Yeah,